First Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 to 16 is where we're going to be. I hope you've turned there to your Bible. And um, listen, um, this is a, a fun pastor scripture, and uh, I hope that you're ready for the day. You know, it's really just, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, let's pray. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for our opportunity that we have to be here today. And Father, I pray that you would just watch over us and guide us. And lead us in this time of worship that we have. As we look at your word, Father, I pray that you would help us to, to understand truth, to understand your word, and to, to know what you are trying to teach the church through this passage of Scripture. Help us to be open-minded to what you have to say. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us in a way that only you can, in a way that, that your spirit can, can communicate to our hearts, to our, our lives. Father, I know that this is a tough passage of Scripture, and it, it, sometimes it's even hard to understand how it relates to us today, but I, I believe that there's a message for us today. And so, Father, if you would, speak to us, pierce our heart, and allow for us to know your will for our life. Father, I recognize I have a part in this. And so, Father, if you would, forgive me of my sin and cleanse me of the unrighteousness that is in my life and give me the grace that is needed to preach your word in a way that bring honor and glory to your name in a way that brings sinners to repentance and believers into a time of renewal and their relationship with you. And Father, if, if there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, I, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. I pray that they would admit that they are a sinner, that they would believe that Jesus is the Son of God and, and confess Christ as Savior and Lord. And, and Father, I pray that if there's someone here today, a believer, that's struggling with their faith and having a hard time, Father, I pray that today would be a time where they are renewed in their faith, a time where they experience Your grace, your love, your forgiveness, like they've never have before. Father, we love you and we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen. If you have a guest over at your house, who eats first? Who gets their plate first? You or your guest? If, if you go to your freezer and grab the tub of ice cream and there's only enough for one or two scoops who who gets the scoop of ice cream you or your kid young fellas if you're on a hot date and uh, you don't get paid till next week and the cash flow is just a little thin do you put a cap on your old lady or do you cap yourself on what you order Why do, you, why do you let your guests eat first? And why do you allow for your kids to eat the last scoop of ice cream? And why do you splurge on the old lady instead of, I mean, what? You, it's simple, right? Because you, you care more about your guests and you, you put them first and you put yourself, what? Second. It's not that hard to figure out, right? You, you care about other people. And it's easy to do in those situations, right? I mean, it's eat, maybe not with this ice cream, but with everything else, it's, you know, it's, it's easy to put your guests first and it's easy to, 
to treat your lady, you know? I mean, it's just like, it's, it's easy to do those things. In a lot of areas of our life, we could kind of give other illustrations here, but you get the point. And I think what Paul is trying to say here in this matter, like, hey, treat other people better than you would treat your, like, care, like, care about other folks. Like, this is about people here. Like, it's, it's not about your own freedom and doing what you're, like, yeah, you can do what you want in Christ, but listen here, friends. Like, it's about caring about other people. And sometimes you have to sacrifice for the good of other people. And just because you can do something doesn't mean that you have to. One of the commentators that, that I read this week said that this passage of Scripture is the hardest text to interpret in all of the New Testament. I, I'm not trying to brag or maybe you'll agree with this commentator by the end of my sermon, but let me just say this. I, I don't think that we will fully be able to understand all of this because there's some of these words that, like, the, it doesn't translate well, and, they, and there's different ways to interpret it, and it, it is tough. I mean, there's no doubt about it, but I don't think that Paul meant for this to be all that hard to understand for his audience. And I don't think it should be all that hard. I mean, I think it's more commonsensical, to be honest with you, than anything else. I hope you understand, and I hope you will agree with me by the end of this. What Paul is trying to say is to get the church in Corinth to do is to care for other people more than they care about themselves. Most importantly, other believers in Christ. Verse 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Now, Verse 2, I commend you because you remember me and everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. Paul here says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I mean, wouldn't you love to be able to say that? I mean, wouldn't you love to be able to say that to other people? Like, hey, just, just follow my lead here, friends. I'll show you how Christ did it. I mean, wouldn't you just be able to, I mean, what a blessing it is, though, for the church in Corinth, though, friends, to have... Paul be their church plant. To have this relationship with the apostle Paul. I mean, can you just imagine if you didn't have me as your pastor, but you had Paul leading you? I mean, wouldn't that be awesome to be able to get instructions from the apostle Paul? I mean, how blessed are they as a congregation to have Paul and to be able to communicate with him and be able to talk with him as an apostle of Jesus, uh, you know, an eyewitness. Uh, I mean, just think about this relationship that they have with the, I mean, wouldn't that be wonderful? I mean, wouldn't it be wonderful, friends? And, and he was a true example for each believer in the church of Corinth to know what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. The shocking part of this verse, I think, is verse 2. Maybe this entire section, maybe the entire book of Corinthians here. Now I commend you because you remember me and everything and maintain the traditions even, though I even as I deliver them to you. I mean, isn't that shocking? I mean, Paul has been railing the church in Corinth for this entire book. And just, you know, you know, hope this doesn't shock you. But if you continue reading the book and even as you read 2 Corinthians, he just pretty much just lets them have it. And so here he pays them a compliment. Hey, you've been, listen. I want to commend you because you remember me in everything. Does that sound right? <laughs> Does it sound like the church in Corinth? I don't. I mean, well, some of the commentators that I've read, uh, they, they said Paul is just being sarcastic here. Uh, he's not really, he's just kind of, 
I think, I think it was genuine though. Like that's my interpretation. Like I read this and I think honestly he was being genuine because what he's doing next is not paying them a compliment. Actually, if, again, continue reading, he's being kind of critical. And sometimes when you, when you have something critical to say to something, what do you do beforehand? You pay him a compliment. And if it's not a true compliment, then guess what? They're going to know and they're going to be like, well, I don't, you're just blowing smoke, right? Like here a few weeks ago, as a staff, we, in our staff meeting, we, we, I gave them an assignment, all of our staff, to, to look back at the previous week's video of the service. And, and I had them, each of them, say three positive things about the service and three critical things. Constructive criticism. And each of them, before we got into the constructive criticism, each of us shared three positive things. And those were genuine. They were true. They were, they were not fake or they were honest. I think what this passage of Scripture is truly doing is he's, he's, he's being positive before a negative. So what are they doing wrong? What's the thing that he is being critical about? He's saying here, hey, you've, you've done everything and you've maintained the traditions. You've done that right. But what you're doing wrong, what he's saying here, I think there's two main things, just two. We're going to do two things and then we'll be done. We'll be out of here, okay? I promise. Okay? The first is found in verse 4. I know I'm skipping verse 3, but I, I promise I'll get back to it, okay? Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covers dishonors his head. The context here is that the elite Roman men would have their heads covered and especially in public places or in settings or religious settings or, or government settings, they would have their, their head covered. And, and certain head coverings meant certain things. And so the elite men in the church of Corinth, when they prayed and when they prophesied, what did they do? They would also carry on this Roman tradition of covering their head to show their elite status. Well, what's the problem with that, friends? They were more concerned with people knowing their elite status than what they were preaching, what they were prophesying, what they were teaching, and what they were praying about. They, they wanted it to be about them. All right? They wanted to say, hey, look at me. I'm up here. I'm, I'm this elite man. And you guys, are, you guys are not elite over here, right? Like, that's what, he's, that's what their problem is. And like in the church, what, what's, is that a, an attitude that you're supposed to have? Brothers and sisters, are we different in the eyes of Christ? Are, is any of us closer to God than the next person? Does God love you more than he loves me? Does God love you more than he loves her? I mean, is that how? No, there's no divisions. There's no hierarchy. Of, we're all, we're, as, as Baptists, we believe in the, the priesthood of the believer, that we're all priests, we're all equal, we're all on the same field. Like that's a biblical teaching. And Paul said, hey, listen, there's none of you here that are, more elite than the other people in the eyes of God, take the hat off. You're not, you're dishonoring your head. And he's not talking about your physical head. He's talking about what? Your spiritual head. To play on words. And who is your spiritual head? Verse 3a. 
But I want you to understand that the head of every man is who? Christ. And so when you do this, when you're wearing this hat in service, what are you doing? You're dishonoring your head. Now, some of you wear hats to church, okay? Listen, this is a, it's a different culture. It's a different setting. It means something completely different, okay? If you have a hat on and it's a crown of, you know, maybe it means something else. But in, in our setting, in our time, wearing a hat to church is, is not what it meant in this day. Does that under, do you understand that? Culturally, it means something else here. The word head here means a person who has authority. Christ is our ultimate authority. It's not me. It's not Pastor Ken. It's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And friends, make no mistake about it. The head of White Park Baptist Church is not, like this isn't my church. It's not Pastor Ken's. Like it's, it's, this is Christ's church. It belongs to him. Like when you give, when you, you give of your tithes and your offering, you give of your time, your service, you're not doing that for me. Okay, we give of our tithes and offering and kind of talked about it just this morning. It's, it's everything belongs to God. It's all his. We give it to honor him. So, hey, this all belongs to you. And it's, it's, it helps us to understand like, hey, this is, this is to honor you. But it's also like a sign of, that everything that we have, Lord, is you. And we're just submitting this as a sign of our worship to him and saying, hey, everything I have, Lord, belongs to you. It's not about how much you give, friends. It's not about how much it's, you put in the plate. It's about your attitude. It's about your heart. Remember the, the woman with the coin? She gave everything that she had. It's, it's, it's about your heart. It's about your motives. These people who came to church, these men would come to church with the wrong heart, with the wrong motive. Look at me. The second way the church was dishonoring one another was between a a husband and a wife. Look at verses 5 and 6. But every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it's the same as if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it's disgraceful for a wife to cut, her, cut off her hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. The context here is that Women in this culture would have long hair. And once they got married, they would cover their head as a sign that they are what? Married. Okay? Some of the women would come up and what they were doing, they were praying and prophesying. Let me just pause right there for the Baptists in the room who have, like, I mean, just the women were doing what? In the service, they were praying and they were prophesying. I know some of you might have a problem with that, but that's just the Bible. I'm just, I'm just teaching you what the Bible says here, friends. The Bible says that the women in the early church were praying and they were prophesying. You know what the word prophesy means? It means to teach about divine matters. Okay? That's what they were doing. But, Paul says, when you go up to pray, to prophesy, without your head covered, what does that do as far as honoring your husband. What does verse, say, verse 3 say about who was the head of the wife? And the head of the wife is who? Her husband. 
Again, head means authority. Again, some of your translations say, may say man and woman here. That really doesn't make sense that, that, I, like, that man has authority over a woman. So if I go into high V, do I have authority over all the women that are in high V? Fellas, I, I go into my own kitchen sometimes and my wife, I, I don't have authority there. She's like, get out of here. You know what I mean? And I do because I want to eat at night. You know what I mean? Like I just... But it's husband and wife. That's the relationship. That's the correlation that's being made here. It's not me having authority over all women or you. It's husband. The relationship here is between husband and wife. And again, I know that doesn't bode well with some of you. I'm just preaching God's word, friends. Let's go back to culture for a second. Why are the women wearing their hair down? Why are the men wearing fancy hats to promote themselves? Connect the dots here, you know. There's children here today, and why is Paul so adamantly against the men not following one cultural tradition and the women following the other? I mean, do you understand what's going on here? I mean, every religious entity in Corinth was a cesspool, friends. Just call it what it is. And Paul's concern is here, hey, if you're going in there and you're trying to make it all about yourself and you're just, women, and you're uncovering your head, why don't you just shave it and just say, and just be honest about what you're trying to do here. What's, I mean, if a woman shaves her head, what's, the, what's it a symbol of? She's committed what? Adultery. And Paul, is, his concern is, hey, what is going on here? What are you guys doing? Aren't you supposed to be honoring your, your, your husband? Every couple I marry, I warn them about this very danger. If you have something great, someone will be jealous of what you have. And they will try to, to ruin it. They will try to take it from you. Or they will just be honest with you, friends. There are some people who are just morally corrupt and they will try to ruin your marriage just because that's just who they are. Listen to what Paul says in verses 7 to 12. He is bringing us back to the origins of man and woman. Listen to what Paul says and ask yourself the question, why is he bringing this up? For a man ought not to cover his head since he is in the image and glory of God. But a woman is the glory of man. For the man was not made from the woman, but the woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. This is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the, the, nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so a man is now born of woman. And all things are from God. David Foster, with focus on the family, says that covenants are established by making an oath. And an oath that creates kinship between the two who are making the covenant. Christ strikes a covenant with us, one that is stronger than blood, one that establishes a divine, everlasting kinship bond. In making a covenant with him, God adopts us into the, his family and treats us as heir of the kingdom of God. He says also that marriage, that a marriage covenant is making an oath 
to call upon the power of God to give you strength to to bind Satan and evil. It's a mystery of drawing down the presence of God, of engaging God for help and power so that we can do whatever it is we are pledging to do. When you take that oath, you are asking for God's help. Paul says to men, you should love your wives as Christ loves the church. He says to women, you should submit to your husband as unto the Lord. All this comes, friends, from Genesis 2, 18, which is what he is referencing today. Let me just read this a little bit of it to you right now. Genesis 2, 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of man's rib and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and his mother and is united with his wife, and they became one flesh. And listen to this last verse, verse 25. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no, what? Shame. I mean, it's just the opposite of what Paul is preaching against in Corinth. Why don't you just be, show your shame? This is pre-fall. Genesis chapter 2, it's pre-sin. It's God's design for what a marriage should look like. I mean, you should love your wife and your, your wife should love your husband. And don't ever apologize or be ashamed of loving your spouse. It's, it's nothing to be ashamed of, friends. You know, if my wife was up here right now, I'd give her a big old kiss. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't even apologize for it, you know. I, some of you don't believe me that I would do it. But let me just tell you, on January 3rd, 2009, I was on a stage just like this in Gosport Baptist Church and in front of her minister and my minister and her family and my family and all of our friends I grabbed her pulled her close as I could and gave her the biggest kiss I could and you know what I felt no shame at all about it a matter of fact all of our family and friends they stood on their feet and they applauded beautiful thing friends What Paul is saying here, hey, men and women, when you get up, when you preach, you teach, when you prophesy, when you pray, don't shame your husband. Don't shame yourself. Don't shame your Lord, your God. You do it with the right heart, with the right motives. And if you can't do this, listen to what he says. Verse 13 Judge for yourselves. It is proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered. Does this not, does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it's a disgrace for him. But if a woman has long hair, it's a disgrace for her glory. For her hair is given to her for a covering. 
And if anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. And all Paul is saying here is, hey, men, you act like men. Women, you act like men. And if you have a problem honoring dishonor, honoring your God, if you have a problem honoring your spouse, then guess what? We don't have a place for you. This isn't the place for you. Go back to your pagan ways. Go back to your pagan culture. But this is the church of God. And in this place, we honor our Lord. We make it about him, not about ourselves. We honor one another. We love one another. We encourage, we uplift, we support. These are our brothers and sisters in Christ. These aren't our enemies. These are men and women who are of the same eternal family. Last, not last Sunday, but two Sundays ago, I was in my office and uh, getting prepared for here. And uh, my dad called me and uh, he was just weeping. And uh, my mom, he took my mom into the hospital and she was having problems breathing. And they found blood clots in both of her lungs and in her leg. And, and then they found a mass on her spine. And my dad was just like, he was just, he was, Jeff, I've been married to her for 48 years. She's, she's my world, you know. Would you pray for her? Would you pray for me? And he was just upset. Pushed through the week here a little bit, and they found four spots on her spine, and they upgraded her cancer from stage three to stage four. They canceled her chemo and said, hey, the chemo's not working. We're going to move to radiation, and, and you know, we're going to do the best we can. We're not giving you a great outlook on life and what the future holds, but we promise you we're going to work as hard as we can to keep you here you know it's hard to it's hard news to hear and so um she was breathing better so she was able to go home on wednesday and uh, they told her hey we want you to go get a pet scan on thursday morning it's not at the hospital they couldn't do it there they had to go to like a cancer center to get that done so she goes on thursday morning to get the pet scan and uh about one o'clock that afternoon, her oncologist called her and my mom said, she, I almost didn't want to answer the phone because I just knew it was going to be more bad news. But my, my dad encouraged her to answer the phone and so she did. And the doctor said, hey, we, we want to give you some good news. This, these masses that are on your spine really aren't masses, they're just blood vessels. You know, that's all they are. And so, you know, we don't know if that's just a mistake from the doctor or God healing her body. Either way, we know God's going to receive the glory because of it, you know. And um, I'll just say this. Uh, I went home last weekend and Kathy's dad has stage four kidney cancer. My mom's dealing with stage three breast cancer. And we're just, like, we're spending all of our off time just going home and being with family right now. And it's tough and it's challenging. And uh, I appreciate your grace to be able to get away and do that. I asked my mom on uh, Friday night, I said, Mom, what's it like to kind of be in that situation? She goes, you know, I know what it's like to be on death row and be pardoned. She goes, that's what I feel like, Jeff. I feel like I was on death row and the warden pardoned my sins. And I, you know, this may be a bad connection, but you know, honestly and truthfully, like, isn't that the grace of God? That we've all been sentenced to death because of our sin, because of our iniquities, because of our shortcomings. 
And doesn't Christ came in and just saved the day and given us eternal life with him? And friends, I, I know that in each of our lives, we have a multitude of mistakes that we've made. And listen, in the Burns home, there's all kinds of mistakes that we've made in our marriages and our marriage. And, and we've, listen, there are, there are times when the hardest thing I have to say to my wife, I'm sorry, it's my fault. How can I make this right, you know? But read Colossians. What does Paul say about love? You know? Remember the vows that you took? Better or worse, sickness or health till death do you part. And friends, I, I know that we've, we've all made mistakes in our life. But the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that his blood covers all sin. And if you're here today and you're like, man, I've made a, a bunch of mistakes, friends. I don't care. And Christ doesn't care. What he cares about is a relationship with you. He desires to be in a relationship with you. And he desires for your life from this point forward to honor him. That you care about your, the people in this room. That you care about your brothers and sisters in Christ. And that you live a life that brings God honor and glory. Listen, the mistakes that you made in the past, they're there. In the past. Let's leave them there. And let's live a life that brings God honor and glory. Why are you here today, friends? Why has God brought you to this place this morning? To make yourself look good? For your honor, for your glory? I don't think so. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together in this place. Lord, I pray that you would just allow for us today to hear from you. Lord, as you work and as you move and as you speak and you, you penetrate hearts and you allow for us to, to hear a message from you, Father, I pray that, that your people would respond. And Lord, I, I pray that they would respond in such a way that it would bring you honor and glory, that they would be honest with themselves, that they would be honest with others about their condition and just allow for this to be a time where they are renewed in their faith. And Father, I pray that if there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ, that has never been, their sins have never been washed, they're, they're struggling, that they're, they're, they're living a life that's, that's hopeless. And Father, I pray that today that you would give them the grace that they need to say, I need Jesus. Amen. Would you give them the grace that they need to say, I'm a sinner. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that he's the son of God. And would you allow for them to, to confess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of life. And Father, if, if that would have happened, would we just praise your name today? Father, I, I ask that in this time of invitation that you would work and move in our hearts and allow for us to respond with obedience. Jesus, we love you. And pray all these things in your name and all of God's people said.